Hey guys, what's up? Evan here. Welcome back to How We Human. We've got Tony joining us. Hey guys, I'm back. Yes, and we've got a fresh new episode for y'all. So today we have Jeff Pearson joining us. Uh, if you don't know, Jeff, I actually met him through a TV show I just released on Amazon Prime called Home Remedy, and Jeff is the lead actor in that show. I met Jeff when I was living down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He lives about an hour west in Lafayette, Louisiana. So we'll talk a little bit about the Louisiana film industry, working down there, and all that jazz. So I'm really excited about it, and we've got Jeff coming up right now on the show. You're listening to the How We Human podcast with your hosts, Evan Kidd and Tony Durban. Jeff, how are you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? So yeah, man, uh, let's just jump right into it. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I know that you are based right now in Lafayette, Louisiana, and uh, maybe take us through kind of what got you to Lafayette. Are you from there? Kind of your upbringing and how you got into like acting and everything. Uh, well, okay. So <laughs> I'm a military brat, so you know I moved around a lot, uh, but eventually wound up landing here when I was 13 because I was following my parents because I had to because I was a little turd of a kid and couldn't get a job and defend myself. Uh, but then I, I've been living here ever since, uh, opened a business that's kept me grounded here for a while. But I got into acting on accident, actually. Uh, I was one of those kids walking around campus at college, not really knowing what they're going to do. I was wearing this shirt. It said, uh, top 10 reasons to procrastinate, number one. And then there was nothing else after that. And then who would become my future acting teacher, Marcus Lyle Brown. Uh, he saw me walking around. He saw that shirt. He was like, hey, that's a, that's a cool shirt, man. I was like, oh, thanks. And then we got to talking for about like maybe after 30 seconds. He's like, did you ever think about acting? And I was like, no. And he's like, give it a shot. So I tried a couple acting classes, and that's it, dude. I got hooked after that. Wow. So, yeah. so is it fair to say in an alternate universe where you wore, say, a different shirt, you may not have gotten into acting? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, I'd probably wound up being a like a high school teacher or something like that. Nothing against high school teachers. I, like I have my aunts and my uncles are all high school teachers. But, you know, that that's probably what I would have wind up being. Uh, wow. Instead, but now, you know, I'm an actor and I own a video game store and I'm a stunt driver. So, yeah, I, I kind of prefer this life. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do a lot of things. And so, like, that's the other thing I'll add to the introduction. So not only is Jeff an actor, like you said, he does stunt driving for, for cars. I'm, I don't know. what Do you do any other yeah. vehicles? Or? <laughs> yeah, yeah, stunt driving for cars, films, commercials. And you also own a play and trade game store, video game store in Lafayette, Louisiana. Correct. Correct. So what is it like juggling all those different things? That's a lot of different types of things. Oh, my God. And that's not even all of it. But, yeah, it, it's it's very stressful. Uh, on top of that, I'm a landlord, too. Uh, oh. So I got, like, some properties. And now I'm getting ready to move to Atlanta in January. Um, it's going to be like a dual residency. Uh, I'll be, like, there, spending half my time there, half my time back here. Uh, right. You know, to have a presence there. But, like, being like knowing that I'm going to spend at least half my time there. And then I have everything else that's going on back here. Like, yeah, it's it's really stressful, and you just have to find people you trust to kind of fill in the gaps for you, um, you know, and and pay them <laughs> enough money to want them to fill in the gaps for you. Uh, but it, yeah, it's it's definitely a nonstop juggle game. It just doesn't. Yeah, well, I mean, you said you got a residency in why that move? That's a big move from Louisiana to Atlanta. Atlanta is the the film mecca 
of the yes. country right now. Uh, and I, I have been, um, I've been passed up on jobs in Atlanta because I don't have a residency there. So, you know, I, I look like your typical American boy next door, and there's a tons of boys that live next door looks going on in Atlanta. So even if I kill the audition, you know, there's so many guys out there that are six foot tall, blue eyes, light brown hair, that are just as good as actors as I am. But if I live down here in Louisiana, that means they then have to pay for my airfare or bus fare, and then they have to pay for a hotel. And the producers don't want to do that. Their job is to save money wherever they can. So then they'll just, you know, hire Jack instead of Jeff because Jack lives in Atlanta and he's just as good of an actor. It's always fun interviewing people that I know just because I can add a little more context to things that they say. Um, but but when Jeff says that he has gone to Atlanta, like you've, you've traveled for several gigs that have been not just, you know, one or two hours away, but multiple hours away. Like when we were filming our show, you would be going all over, you know, Texas or Atlanta doing different other films and then coming back and coming back into our show. So I think it's really interesting, the life of a working actor. And uh, can you can you talk about that? Because I can understand why after doing a ton of traveling like that, you might want to say, hmm, maybe I would want to be based somewhere bigger so I don't have to travel as much. You're always gonna have to travel but maybe not as much. Oh man, and what makes it really hard is because just having like a little a little small business is it's not just it's not just delegating. I mean, that is a large part of it, but when you travel as much as an actor and you're booking a lot, but um, first off, as soon as your your gig is over, you're out of a job. You're unemployed. You're only employed for, you know, until you're done acting on that gig. Uh, so you it's going to bring you Around, you know, this this year, I have between Texas, uh, Georgia, uh, Virginia, Mississippi, and Louisiana. Those are all places that I filmed this year. Um, and then with having the business on the side, and the thing about being living in, in Lafayette, and I'm sure this is true to a lot of places, but you know, definitely Lafayette. Lafayette's all about like small business and like knowing who owns the business. So the, there's an added stress to that because then I have to make time between all of this to have a still have a presence here and still have a face to face with my customers here i've been open for 10 years i've been open for a decade and because of that there's a there's a lot of people who you know i grew up here most of my life so they they come and chop that but then there's a lot of the fresh people that are just coming into this college town that you know they they want to meet the owner um and then just to be able to put a face to the business. And, you know, you just, you really care more as an owner, too. I mean, how do you balance all that? I mean, that's a lot, dude. We grew up with the community. So what happens is there are people there that work with me that are 34, 32, 30. But they don't leave because it's been, basically, we formed like this family. We've all grown with the city together. Um, and that's why they, they stick around for so long. You know, it's a part of it. That, that's a great segue into my question. So my question was going to be about building a community in film. But it sounds like really there's a lot of skills there that are applicable to either business or play and trade or film or really anything. Because a lot of them sound like they come back to personal choices and personal skills that you, that you have developed over time. And basically my, my thing that I'm seeing is I moved down to Louisiana two years ago, well, almost three years ago now. 
And I moved there not knowing anyone. I read an article in Independent Film Magazine saying that Baton Rouge and New Orleans were kind of coming up with film. So I thought, that's a really cool place. I've never been there. I want to live there. And I drove my car and I lived there wow. for two years. That's, <laughs> that's how it happened. I read an article and then I moved. And that's like, I just wanted to do something different. Yeah. And I can understand leaving one place where you have a presence because in North Carolina I had a lot of actors I worked with a lot of filmmakers I worked with and I wanted to maintain that while I was down there and I would constantly go back and forth doing projects and th and that gets taxing so as someone who is who has lived it what what is your your plan and strategy because it sounds like you know once you get to Atlanta you're gonna hustle hard in the Atlanta film scene and that could almost take up all your time how, how are you gonna hustle even harder back home at the same time? Are you, are you gonna travel or do you have a schedule? I'm gonna be back in Lafayette for the first week out of every month, basically from the 1st to the 7th or the 1st to the 10th, uh, because I have a lot of friends here. You know, I can do auditions and stuff here. Now, if I get cast in something and it pulls me away, that's different. The main the main point of being Atlanta is just, like I said, to like have that presence, um, to meet the people there, to have the address there, the physical address there. Uh, and just so people like casting directors there can start to take note that like, oh, yes, this guy just isn't coming from Louisiana anymore. He's actually here. Right. Definitely. So so when it comes back to that, that family or community, you know, whatever it may be, are you afraid that you might disassociate somewhat from it because of the move? Or do you feel confident that you can kind of juggle with that? It's a little bit of both. Actually, anytime I'm gone from the store for more than like a week to two weeks, I start to panic because <laughs> I'm like, right. oh, God, what's going on back at the store without me? Uh, and most of the time I come back and everything's just fine. Really? It, it's just it's just kind of like the opposite of a cabin fever. You know, it's like, like being I, a parent, you're worried about your kid. kids. Yeah. Exactly. And, and the store is the closest thing I have to a kid, you know, because I have no kids. But to be completely. Perfectly honest, 2017 was so insane for me that I've been gone for more than half the time anyway, you know? So life is sort of moving in a new direction. Yeah, yeah, it is. It, it, it is. Um, and I'll be willing to come back, you know, whenever, just for whatever reason. Um, right. You know, if I, if I have to spend one week in Atlanta and three weeks in Lafayette, that's what I'll do. You sure. know, I just, I just what, kind of when I get there, I just want to hit the ground running, meet as many people right. as I can, you know, just, just do, go, 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 do as much as I possibly can. So, so you mentioned you had never really done too much out in New York or LA. And I know a lot of people, that's their first instinct. And, and that's what I thought was interesting about you with working with you on Home Remedy um, was that I've sort of rejected that route as well. And a lot of folks I've worked with have chosen to do that sort of because I put myself in places where people have also chosen not to go to New York and LA. And I find that really interesting because I feel like it sort of breeds a different work environment. I won't say it's necessarily any better or any worse, but I think it's special. And I think that's interesting in terms of working. So I guess, could you speak to um, just, just, you know, maybe A, why you decided not to go those routes and B, kind of what value you see working locally, whether it be, you know, Georgia or Louisiana, you know, and, and to be fair, these are both places that are fairly well established with film in the Southeast, but you know, maybe they're not the first thing that come into someone's mind when they think about film. What I saw was happening was 
people were going to LA and to New York and nothing was happening to them at all. Yes. They would have like one audition per year or the inverse of that. They'd have like 150 auditions per year, but they wouldn't book. And if you're doing 150 auditions and you're not booking, like you, you, something's wrong. Like, you gotta right. change something. Some people I know who have moved to New York or LA have done fantastic for themselves. But I have seen a fair number of them move out there, and I feel like they are wasting their talent because they don't, they just don't have anything on their IMDb yeah. for two, three years. Yeah. It's super and depressing. It, and it's sad because they're talented folks. Yeah. Now, the reason people go out there is because what happens is even though you have all this stuff shooting in Louisiana that's coming back to Louisiana and Atlanta, they pull a lot of their main talent from New York and L.A. They do. And then all of the fillers, the smaller roles, guest stars, stuff like that, then they fill fill with the more local talent. Mm -hmm. So everyone thinks, well, I'm just going to go out there because I'm going to be like one of the leads. And it's like, well, you know, you don't really start that way. And everyone that you see on TV, you know, they're like, oh, the, all these overnight sensations. And it's like, no, man, go on their IMDb. All these people you've quote unquote are overnight sensations, go on their IMDb. And look, they've been doing this since they were kids. Like they mm -hmm. started doing theater when they were like six years old. And small roles. Like you, you can go back. Uh, I forget who it was. It might have been Ryan Reynolds or someone. Um, I think they had like a two or three minute role on an episode of like sex in the city in yeah. like the late nineties. And, and they just pop in and out and like, that's a giant star. But at the time, you know, that's all it was quick day gig. Yeah. And like Jennifer Lawrence, like everyone thinks Jennifer Lawrence was just like an overnight thing, you know, from the hunger games. It's like, no dude, <laughs> she'd been yeah. doing this for a long time, you know, before that. So that's just right. an example. So yeah, people will go out there to chase the dream, but the reality is, is if you actually want the dream, you got to be smart about it. You know, you can go out there and play the lottery, which is what you're doing. And yes, there are those overnight success stories. They do exist, but it, you're literally playing the lottery for, it, you know, um, so the smart way for acting is, is to, to do the long game, and that is to move to Louisiana or Atlanta first. And what happens by doing that, is, that's another reason I stayed, is because I knew by staying here, I could, get, I could still get cast in legitimate roles for legitimate movies, legitimate movies and legitimate shows and start building my IMDb that way. Then, when the time is right... I can go out to LA or to New York and be like, look, I have 50 IMDb credits. And you can build a very decent reel um, working on a combination of student films and low to no budget stuff if you're just starting. I think that's a much better route than moving out there with, with no reel and just assuming it'll work out. Yeah. And that's what you got to do, you know, yeah. when you're first starting. You got you to find good quality, like, student right. films. And, you, that's, and then they graduate, and they go on to do bigger things. Right. And they pull you, they take you with them, yep. you know? Um, well, as long as you're nice to them and they remember you. So make sure this you're nice to them true. and make sure they remember you. <laughs> yeah, talking about the process, like, what kind of books do you read? Or what book do you, um, you got just any content that... You know, keeps you motivated. You know, you're an entrepreneur and actor. That's a lot to carry for one man. Funny enough, to, to stay motivated, um, I force myself to live in a very somewhat uncomfortable environment. So uh, I don't know if you can see on the camera, and I know on the pod podcast you guys obviously can't tell, but my room 
is kind of very chaotic. I have like paintings that are sideways. See the like, like this one right here. Like my whole room is designed to make me intentionally uh, never rest. My brain, like, is literally, like, I cannot relax in my room. I cannot. Because it's just, I intentionally have it designed that way. Um, because people, when they get uh, comfortable, they get lazy. When I move to Atlanta, I'm not even going, I'm not even bringing a mattress, dude. I'm going to go up there and I'm going to buy a couple dog beds. And I'm just going to put them together with a pillow. And I'm not bringing, like, a TV with me. Like, I'm not bringing, like, I'm not going to have any furniture. Like, I'm legit going and I'm living the the most barren and crappy way possible because it's going to force me to put all the time and energy I have into these projects. Uh, but basically, the thing that keeps me going, actually, it's not books. It's not, it, it's just, it's an undying thirst. Um to succeed and by making myself un intentionally uncomfortable, it kind of helps um, accelerate that, you know, because I don't want to be in an uncomfortable environment, even though it's, a, even though I'm intentionally putting myself there, you know, I want to live in a comfortable life, but honestly, if I want to make it, I shouldn't be allowed to live that comfortable life until I've legitimately made it. What is it about acting that makes you so willing to sleep on dog beds and not have furniture? <laughs> well, I'm not doing that yet, but that's the okay. idea. That's the idea. It is therapeutic. It's the f closest form to therapy that I have. Um, I have, like, I'm OCD, so I get, like, these looping thoughts in my brain, and it helps break that. It gives me something else to, to focus my attention on. Instead right. of something negative, and I can just invest, you know, hours and hours and hours into auditions. I have friends that'll spend like 10, 15 minutes, maybe a couple hours on an audition, two, three hours. I will spend, honestly, like four hours per page. So if I have a 10 page audition, I'm dumping 40 hours into it. Like a full week is going into a 10 page audition. So you're wow. not coming home and kicking back on the recliner and drinking that beer. You're, you are literally diving into something else almost every day. At almost every single... I was up until 3.30 this morning working, updating resumes, stuff like that. Uh, I have, you know, for the, by the end of the month, my goal is to, to finish uh, five different demo reels. You have, like, a New York hustle times 10, and you are in Lafayette, Louisiana. And uh, I just find that interesting culturally. Um, does that come from your parents or your family, or is that something that you've sort of developed over the, the years? I think it's a combination because my dad is, he was military, right? So I followed right. him around and he built this level of perseverance in me that uh, I honestly, without him, wouldn't have gotten from anywhere else. And without him, I probably would have had that lax Louisiana, take it slow. And I mean, that's not even, that's not even a stereotype. Like that's what it is. Like the people here, they're chill. They take their time doing stuff. And it drives me insane. I had to get used to that a little bit coming down there. And, I, and you know, North Carolina is in the South. Like, you know, yeah. we got the sweet tea. We got it. I mean, it's all there. But it is definitely a different way. And it's not wrong. There's nothing no. bad about it. And, and some of the nicest, kindest people I've ever met, I met while I was in Louisiana. And it, But it is a lifestyle. It's a different style yeah. of life. And I think that's why there's a lot of people that are nice down here, to tell you the truth. is Because they're so, yeah. they're so, they are so chill and lackadaisical. And there's no, like... Like hurry and pressure to get it done now, you know, because the more you take on, the more stressed you get, and then you just kind of become, 
not an intentional asshole, but at times, yeah. What do you do to, to ground yourself then? If you are staying up till three in the morning, I'm assuming you, you might allow yourself an hour to, to do something fun or I mean. What type of music do you like? Dude? Right. What I listen to when no one is around is uh, just very aggressive, like electronic or metal. Uh, stuff that like you when you most people listen to they just want to punch someone else in the face or drive like a million miles an hour that's what I'm listening to nonstop all the time I wake up to that first thing in the morning I listen to that until I have to go to bed when I'm taking a shower uh, in my shop like everything I listen to is just very very rapid there's no chill no chill in any of the music I own whatsoever do you drink caffeine oh yeah I love caffeine <laughs> I was gonna say how you have to get an energy boost from somewhere man this wow. is yeah i love, I love in fact look look i have right here I have, this is a, <laughs> this is a kilo a kilo of caffeine right here pure oh pure that's like powder. raw caffeine yeah this is like raw synthetic for everybody who's not listening watching pure bulk pure bulk synthetic caffeine a kill so that's like a supplement level of caffeine <laughs> yeah dude dude that is amazing <laughs> that is amazing i had i had <laughs> i got my house raided because one of my neighbors saw this in the packaging and they thought that it was cocaine and they i actually got drug raided at two o'clock in the morning i had these four huge dudes dressed in street clothes knocking on my door because you know I'm awake my lights are on it's 2 o'clock in the morning they raided my house because my neighbor actually thought that that was like a bat or like a, a kilo of cocaine and it's literally it's caffeine wow so yeah dude that, that's insane <laughs> yeah. um, so, so I can't think of a good way to segue into the show but I'm going to segue into the show here we go um one of the things that I noticed about Jeff on set of Home Remedy, which if you don't know, Shameless Plug is available now on Amazon Prime. Everyone should go watch it. Um, it's a show that we filmed pretty much, well, actually for literally nothing mm -hmm. in Baton Rouge, Louisiana and a few of the surrounding areas uh, earlier this year in 2017. And Jeff is the lead role. The way that I came into contact with Jeff was that the person who was originally going to play the lead role dropped out literally, I think, three or four days before the first day of production. And we were suddenly left without a lead. And one of our co-stars recommended Jeff with flying colors, gave him the script, and he was in. Uh, so that's a very untraditional way to cast. I was, you know, naturally panicking at the time because I thought that the whole show was about to take a nosedive. And Jeff pretty much saved the day. So, uh, Jeff, what what do you have to say about Home Remedy? I'm just curious, you know, to get your perspective on the process. Because I know it was very fast. It was very uh, untraditional. Yes. Uh, to tell you the truth, you allowing it to be as, as uh, improv as you did... Um, helps tremendously especially you know when you get a script you know when you have like a full episode and you get it like just a you know certainly there there were some times where i was i was freaking out because you know like i said i like yeah. to put a lot of time into the audition and here i am like we have a full episode to shoot and i'm like oh shit you know i don't have 40 hours to put into you know right so um you know i had a pretty good handle on the character and the fact that you allowed that uh the the kind of the ad lib actually created a lot of um cool moments in the show like i remember going back and watching it and like, seeing all the times there was something that was just like ad-libbed uh you know we're we're um 
uh, Teller shot me in the nipple, you know, with the, <laughs> the Nerf gun, you know, like, and, it just, and I was just like, he shot me in the nipple. Uh, yep. So, like, st- <laughs> just stuff like that. There's just so many improv moments that were off book, and that made it so much easier, and it, it, re- it relieved a lot of stress, you know, right. because it allowed the characters to allow me and the other actors to be more just like in the moment and be real mm-hmm. and, and and that's the the goal with acting is to be real and so often it is very difficult to do that yeah. because there is like jeff's has said and all the other times you know so much prep that goes into it you're trying to remember things you've got a crew buzzing around you you've got you know the elements if you're outside it's hot and there's mosquitoes and all kinds of crazy shit and uh you know oftentimes that can take you very out of whatever you are trying to create um and obviously that is the element of the art of acting is to be able to say, you know, none of that is important right now. I'm in the moment, but I do think it was really interesting, you know, running the way that we did with this series and it was a TV show. So, you know, we had several months that we were in production on and off, but still, you know, it was kind of this machine that once it started, it was like, you know, the boulders behind us. If you've ever played the original crash bandicoot when you're running from the boulder, it's (laughs) like you keep seeing it and you're like, yeah, okay, we can't stop. And you're just going. And that's, to me, what Home Remedy felt like. And it was only once we stopped filming that I looked back and realized, okay, we we did that. And it was just insane. Because, you know, it was an independent TV show. We had no money when we were making it. Um, and, and it was very untraditional. And so, you know, I think it was, it was definitely a, an interesting and different way to work. And I guess on the acting side of things, what, what really shaped your experiences that maybe you would either take to another set or wouldn't take to another set i mean gosh if i were to say that i learned anything to bring with me uh i'll tell you this i learned how to be drunk like (laughs) i definitely learned that so i'll I'll carry that with me Uh, and and the scene we filmed the way you had never really gotten drunk or really had much no i've never been drunk before you kidding me right so you had to act well no didn't you you drank a little bit i drank one beer and then I, I got to the, when I was feeling a buzz, so I was like, okay, so this is what it feels like. And I talked to my buddy that owns a bar. He owns a couple bars. And he was giving me tips on, like, how to just, like, be, you know, like, drunk, you know, not make it seem like fake. So I took everything he said, and then I got that buzz. And then I was like, okay, this is where I need to be. And then I was able to maintain that for the rest of the shoot. And it worked because the onset medic kept trying to take the beers away from me. Yes. The prop beers, which were actually filled with water because right. she thought I kept getting Because she kept thinking that you were drinking them and going to dehydrate yourself because it was like was 90, drunk. 100 degrees with humidity and she was worried about everyone. Yeah, yeah. And in the scene, Jeff was going to be, you know, raging drunk. Yeah. And so, yeah. And apparently it worked. <laughs> Well, I mean, what's your favorite genre to act in as far as, um, like, as an actor? Do you get to choose what type of movies you act in? Um, do you have a specific role that you prefer to play as an actor? You can choose in the sense that if you're offered a role, you can turn it down. You can't really choose in the sense, like, I can't say I'm going to go out and get cast as a superhero this year. I can say that, but is it going to happen? Mm, I don't know. You know, that's something you have to earn. Uh, so you have to earn. You have to earn that. Now you get. You do get to a point 
where people just cast you and they'll be like, well, we're shooting this. What do you, what would you like to play out of all the characters in this? What would you like to play? Yeah. Which I'm, 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 I have been in that area for the past like year and a half, which is really nice. But for bigger projects, you know, you can just kind of find the kind of character you like and keep auditioning for that kind of character. And then, you know, you can, you can bag that character. But so that, that's as far as like picking and choosing, you know, um, that's about as far as it goes. You have more power to turn something down than you do to actually get something. Um, what is something that people don't know for, as far as actors um, are concerned as far as, um, I don't know, like like mental health, as far as um, like you're, you're trading your emotions at any given moment. Um, yeah. I don't know how much people know about if that affects actors. Um or how much emotional capacity that humans have. Maybe you have some insight on it. It does mess with you emotionally, and it does take some time. When you spend so much time creating another person, uh, and then you become that person, um, certain actors can, once they have that character created, they are able to, there's like a, a switch, where they can just like flip into that character, and then when they're done, they can flip out of it. Then you have your other characters, which are more the method actors, you know, which kind of get a bad rap, but funny enough, are the ones that win most of the, the Oscars. Uh, they tend to invest themselves so tightly or deeply into something that they carry that character throughout the entire shoot, you know. And then once that shoot's over, even though that it's over, you you've developed such a new person that you can't still just turn that switch off. Like it takes time to decompress. And to kind of figure out who you are as a person, you know, like who, who's Jeff after you, you know, you've spent a solid month being someone else. To some people, it is a therapy, like I said, because it allows them to cry. It allows them to get angry. It allows them to be joyful. Um, and what is a vulnerable way but also a safer way. And it's safer in the sense that it's not unexpected. You know, like when you go home and you get in a fight with someone and it's not, it's not expected because something just bubbles up, you know, things can get a little out of hand and carried away. But when you're acting, it's like, you know, you're going to get upset for this. And so when it's done, it's kind of a, a relief because again, if you go back to the crying thing, once you've cried five times, it's really hard to cry after that. But to your body, you've just cried five times. So in a sense, it's kind of a, um, emotional release and you almost feel a little bit better. So I guess going into to a character, you know, I mean, any character really. I mean, for example, you could say Damon from Home Remedy. Yeah. What did you do once Home Remedy wrapped? I mean, I'm assuming you sort of put Damon on the shelf and you go on to the next one. Um, is that process hard when you have invested so much time? Or do you kind of look at Damon as saying, you know, Damon was served his purpose and now it's time to go to the next? Damon has served his purpose unless there's a uh, season two. <laughs> right. Right. Which um, you never know, guys. <laughs> right, right. Which, you know, uh, and, and there's some things that I learned about, you know, creating Damon that if I ever need to, to, to create another similar character type that, you know, I'll, I'll carry over the things that I learned into that character build. Right. Uh, but it would still be a different character to suit the needs of whatever that character is. 
But there are only there are only so many different people in this world. You know, you have happy people, you have sad people, you have angry people, and when you're acting, you're just doing the version of yourself that best fits that character. So if I ever need to just be like another, just kind of a dick, you know, a guy just that's just really like just kind of a jerk, like yeah. I'm gonna pull a lot of the qualities that I got from creating Damon, you know, Damon Delano. Right. Um, but for now, he's compartmentalized to to home remedy you know and he will always he will always be home remedy but i may pull parts of him out you know if i ever need yeah. to for future shoots so you've just got like a mad scientist workshop going on with all these characters that you can sort of extract pieces from yeah yeah actually it. it's funny you say that um to kind of piggyback onto that what i'll do to help create characters is like i'll watch movies mm-hmm. and whenever i watch a movie i'll take like a little uh a little um sticky note and if I see a character in that movie, I'll write on the sticky note what that character was good for. You know, if it was a great villain and why it was a great villain. Uh, and I'll put it on the spine of my movies. So when I put my movies back in, I can use my movies as a reference. Like what good character was in this movie. So then I'll do that too to kind of help build characters and use it for inspiration. That's awesome. So I guess in order to wrap up... Um this is usually the part where I say, you know, if, if you were to talk to someone who's just starting out in a position like you were in, what would you say to them? What advice would you give? But I think based on this conversation, I'll, I'll, I'll tweak it a little bit and, and I'll say, what would you say to someone who is, you know, maybe either exactly where you're at or a year or two behind who has put in the work, who has, you know, busted their ass, who is, you know, kind of on the precipice of something but not quite where you want to ever just be. Right. Because I feel like that's our audience, is is people who are already established artists, already doing the work, and who want to just climb, and are, and are figuring it out as they're halfway up the mountain. Right. So what would you say to someone like that uh, in order to keep them motivated? Because, you know, a lot of people say just do the work, and that is it. I mean, that's it on a very, very simple level. But going beyond that, you know, assuming you're going to just keep doing the work, what else could you say to someone? Don't allow yourself to get comfortable. Uh, and the reason I say that is because I have I have a lot of friends and actors and stuff that we're all like in the same level. You know, we're all almost at that precipice. We're all just you know in a very similar situation. And then a lot of times, and it's hard not to get sad. You know, you hear no so many times. And like, you know, you always say like, don't give up and all this stuff. And that's all true. You know, that's all true. And it's cliche, but it's cliche for a reason. It's because it's true. Um, But as soon as you allow yourself to get comfortable, it kind of, um, you lose that urgency. And what happens is when you get comfortable, the urgency only comes at times when you've been relaxed for too long we're like oh shoot i haven't been casting something in like three months or four months mm-hmm. whereas if you remove that the the level of comfort it actually it keeps you going like you just it makes it so you're going non-stop it forces you to go non-stop and as long as you're able to find a way that forces you to never stop that's where you need to be because if you get to a point where you're like taking breaks and you're sleeping well guess what if we're on the same level and you're taking a break and you're sleeping, guess what I'm doing? I'm putting four to 10 hours into an audition. That's what I'm doing, you know? Or if you're just like, I'll just take this audition easy. Like, that's not what I'm gonna do. Like, I'm putting the time in. And the thing is to just never, ever, ever allow yourself to take a break until like you just physically have to. 
you know, until you just mentally have to take a break. Just do not allow yourself to take a break. You heard it from Jeff Pearson, guys. That that is that is it. Jeff, thanks so much, man, for being on the show. We appreciate the insights. We appreciate the conversation. Yeah. Again, we we hope uh, to any of you guys listening, if it if it speaks to you or, or if it helps you, then the show has served its function. So, Jeff, th- thanks, thanks, man. Thank you, guys. That was Jeff Pearson, actor from Louisiana. Jeff just really gave us some really cool insights onto the process of acting and really just being a human. You know, he runs a game store, auditions, he's, he's doing all kinds of stuff. I mean, really the epitome of juggling. So I, I found it really insightful and interesting. Uh, Tony, what was something that he said that really stuck with you? Uh, when he was telling me about how he's an entrepreneur and he's also an actor, yeah. So to still keep his business in the midst of a transition like that, I think it's yeah. going to be very interesting. It shows uh, his work ethic. Because, I mean, that that is a legitimate full-time job, but he's, you know, growing, and it's kind of that convergence of art and business. And I, I found that super interesting. And I know for me, one of the things I took away was him talking about don't get comfortable. And, you know, I think that takes on a different meaning for everyone. And I think Jeff has found his meaning in that. But I think that's a lesson that we all can learn something from and kind of maybe assess our situation and say, you know, am I doing something that's making me too comfortable where I'm not creating art? Because it's definitely important to rest and, you know, watch that episode of Stranger Things or, you know, whatever it is that gets you in a chill space. But sometimes you do have to catch yourself and say, okay, when was the last time I made something? And, and kind of keep on top of yourself. So I think that's going to look different for every person. But I think it's an important question to ask. Thanks again for listening, guys. If you want to keep up with us, definitely check us out on Twitter at HowWeHumanPod. Definitely also look us up on Facebook. Best way you can listen to us is iTunes. Just search HowWeHuman. We've got a link on our website as well. And subscribe to the show. We'd also love it if you'd leave a rating on iTunes because that actually sort of helps us get found. So, you know, if you wanted to be cool, you could just go ahead and drop us a review. Definitely, definitely review us. I mean, there's no way that we iTunes can recognize a platform without those subscribing also great way to keep up with us that way when we release a new episode whether you're on your run driving to work you'll get that notification and it'll let you know we're thinking about you so yeah cool take care guys and we'll catch you on the next episode of how a human <laughs>